I think I went into the field believing what everybody kind of believes about hauntings, right? It's what we're told in books. It's what we're told in movies and television. But as time went on, my views have shifted. I always like to tell people, I'm like, I'm probably more of a believer than I've ever been, but I'm also more of a skeptic than I've ever been. Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. Oh my God, why don't we do this from the bathtub? I was just going to say, I just got myself a really lovely bath pillow. It keeps coming unstuck though and like floating up, which I've got to figure that out. I know. Yeah. Um, And I got a bath tray so Uh I can put my cup of tea on it and my biscuit. Oh, that's so nice. Prop up a book. Well, now I put my audio book, my phone on there with my audio books playing. I don't want to read shit anymore. My brain doesn't want to fucking use my eyes when I don't have to anymore. Yeah. Too tired. (gasps) Who's this? I don't know. I don't know. Who is this? Hello. Oh, hi. (laughs) Hi. Hi. How are you guys? All right. How are you doing? Good. Your hair's super cute, Joy. She cut it yourself. This is really good. Thanks. I've had yeah. practice cutting it myself over yeah. the years, and especially this last year. It's going to say, especially this year. <laughs> the How back is, is even okay. <laughs> How's your face, <laughs> Emily? Um, well, it looks good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I put a filter on the Zoom, so it looks great. It makes yeah. my skin look dewy. Um, <laughs> It's fine. I they thought I had uh they thought I'd fractured my orbital bone <laughs> behind oh my, my eyeball cuz why not? Yeah. Um but luckily I just have a nice big break right across here and I no. kind of I, the thing is is that like you'd think if I touched it it would hurt but I have no sensation Don't in touch my nose. It. No, I can't feel it cuz <laughs> this is this is the third time I've broken it in this spot so now it's like the skin is like I give up. There's just no sensation <sighs> there anymore. Wow. Oh my God. It's That's cool. how parts of my neck are after all the right. aftermarket parts that I've had in it. <laughs> we have a guest with us. Today. We have a guest. I'm not going to lie, Katrina, when, when you were like, yeah, sure, I'll be on your show. I called Joy and I said, Joy, are you sitting down? <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have Katrina Weidman with us today. And I'm, I'm so happy to have you on our show. You are, Katrina's an amazing human being and also a pioneering force in the, in the paranormal arena as like, you're one of the first women um, to do this, you know, on a national platform, which is really saturated with with men and that's a pretty fucking amazing thing that you've you've blazed a trail with and so we're really stoked to have you on our show to hear more about 
you and like how you became interested in paranormal stuff and just everything up to up to now and then we're going to grill you on some shit so <laughs> no big deal. I wouldn't expect anything <laughs> less <laughs> well no I'm happy to be here I'm glad you guys asked me I was waiting for it I, I told Kat really? I'm like yeah, I was just like, I'm surprised it took him this long to ask. Well, I, <laughs> we're I'm, shy. We are. <laughs> so we just had to give it a few months. Yeah, no, um, I like it. You guys played it cool. We played it hella cool. Yeah. So Katrina, we really appreciate the fact that we're recording at 8 p.m. our time. Yeah. It's 11 p.m. your time. It is. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, it's all good. We appreciate that you are a <sighs> night owl. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Over to you, Katrina. Tell us yeah. where oh. were you born? Ah. Like, what, what star sign are you? Have you done? No, I'm going to hang on. Oh. I'm going to interrupt already. Do it. Um, I'm interrupting already. I just want to say, you know, Emily didn't grow up in the States. Uh, but I definitely did. And I grew up in Connecticut and, you know, we're steeped in haunted shit from the get. Um, I knew who the Warrens were and everything. So seeing you on TV with PRS, like mm. um, at the beginning of all of this with Lorraine and like all of that was just yeah. so huge for me and my sister who, before I forget, would like to say hi. Uh -oh. <laughs> 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 because we're all super excited because we've followed your career for so long. Yeah. So with that said, go ahead and give us a little background on yourself, oh, please. Sure. <laughs> no, it's funny you guys said that because I actually just had my astrology chart done. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I'm a Pisces. Oh, my God. Uh, Libra moon, Taurus rising. Oh, I got it. Fire in my chart. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys want to know? How did your interest in the paranormal start? Was it mm -hmm. was it childhood? Like, was it just always there, or did you have experiences? Like, start at the beginning, Katrina. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, like, it, are you like the rest of us that grew up in a haunted house and right, just yeah. were like, oh, this exists for everybody, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I have a pretty typical ghost hunter story, you know, where it was I grew up in a haunted house that had some weird stuff happen in it. And um, it was from a very young age. So I don't ever really remember a time, like I don't remember before times, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like where this stuff didn't happen. So um, I had a pretty significant experience through my sister at a young age where she saw a copy of me <gasps> up in my bedroom. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I don't know if it was something I don't like that. She described it as she thought it was me, but she could tell something was different. Um, and when she walked down the steps, I was sitting at the bottom of the steps, but she saw me oh, upstairs. God. Yeah. So I remember she was like, you know, how did you do that? Meaning how did I get past her on the steps? And I was like, I, what are you talking about? How did I do what? And I mean, keep in mind, I'm like four at this time. And, um, so, you know, this experience has started pretty young. I, at the same time, my, my mom's side of the family, they all had experiences. So, uh, you know, those ghost stories were passed down to us growing up. And um, my dad is very skeptical. So I feel like we got a really good balance growing up of, you know, yes, these stories are fun to tell, but also, you know, 
whatever. Like if my dad was kind of like, all right, <laughs> like, you know, he didn't tell us like not to believe, but he was very like, uh-huh. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Um, Wasn't like perpetuating it or like getting no. really involved or anything. Yeah. No, not at all. So um, he's a very science minded guy. I mean, he went to school for biology and chemistry. So I feel like he very much lives in the fact based world. Um, mm-hmm. And so it just sort of grew from there. The next place we moved into, um, we had experiences and nothing was ever bad or negative when I was growing up. It was just weird things that would happen that didn't really have an explanation. And, you know, as an adult, I'm sure I could go back through some of those experiences and find an explanation for a bunch of them. But I still think there's some that don't really add up. For example, one of the things that my sister would experience when we were kids was she would see a man walk in the hallway at night. And um, yeah, and my my mom automatically assumed it was my dad. But my dad is like a life-size Mario brother. You know, and like, <laughs> Wait, which one? Uh-huh. This is important. Mario, yeah, okay. totally Mario. And like, he's just—he's just like a big Italian guy with like, you know, he's got a walrus mustache, and um, he's—he's he's, perfect. He, I yeah, love and, him already. <laughs> and Actually, it um, sounds like he might be related to Joy in some way. Maybe we're Paisan. we're Paisan yeah. back there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but my sister described this man very differently, and you know, fast forward. We moved out in, um, gosh, it, I mean, in the 80s, in the late 80s. The, uh, the woman who lives there now, she's lived in that house since the late 90s. I've connected with her. Um, and I asked her if she's had any experiences. She tells me no. But then upon further reflection, she tells me, oh, well, you know what? I did have a guest stay over who told me, you never told me your house was haunted. And when she was like, well, what are you talking about? They described seeing a man on the second floor. And I, I can't remember if they saw the, the man walking down the attic stairs into the hallway. They saw them in the door frame. It was something like that, but they saw this man. And what I find really fascinating about that is this is a person who did not know my sister's story, mm-hmm. did not, you know, never heard about us as a family. The right. current owner does not believe in the paranormal from my understanding, had never had an experience. So never relayed anything that she might've heard to her guest. Um, And that's, you know, a difference of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years between my sister's experiences and her guest's experience. So I find that really fascinating. Yeah. Um, And I think that that gives more credit to my sister's experience when she was a child. Um, so, you know, it was, it was that kind of stuff that really led me on this path because I, I knew something was going on, but I didn't know what it was. And so when, you know, the scholastic bookmobile would come to school, I like, (laughs) I get like all the books I could on on ghosts and aliens and all that stuff. And totally. um, Yeah. And I play with the Ouija board. I totally play with the Ouija board and, uh, at least one girl would go home crying from my sleepovers because I would I love tell that. scary stories. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the goal at a sleepover yeah, though? I guess so. You terrify yeah. at least one. Yeah. And I lived in a really scary looking house. So it was like, you know, nobody wanted to stay after we started playing Ouija board or anything like that. And, um, and then when I got to college, they had a, uh, they had a paranormal club and, um, I signed up for that and I actually dropped out uh, pretty soon after there was like a, a whole bunch of 
like real world issue stuff that came up when I transferred to Penn State. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to take some time off from extracurricular stuff and just focus on my studies because I was a double major already. And um, so I went back uh, and I joined the club. I signed up for, they had like a training course that you could take to be an investigator. And I signed up for that. It had an over 50% dropout rate. So I was like one of Holy three. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Hang on, hang on a minute. Yeah. Why did this sounds like the SEAL team uh, paranormal <laughs> shit? Hilarious. Were they making you do push-ups in the ocean? I know. I think it was just Penn State is a very large school. There's a lot of options to do other things than study. And so I think um, you know, it was a really it was an intense class. It was, it was a semester long, but it was like adding another major. I mean, it was written exams and um, papers and, you know, quizzes every week. And it was just a lot to keep up with. And so I think it just really, I mean, I don't know. It's like, do you add that to your already packed schedule or do you, you know, leave some room for fun? I chose mm. not to have fun. And I just was like, let me study more. I love That's it. That's my not girl. girl. <laughs> I was just going to say, you and Joy would have been best fucking mates. Yeah. All right. It's cool. I would have done enough socializing for both of you. I did not go to class, which is why yeah. it took me six years to graduate. So it's fine. Um, I just wanted to like smoke cigarettes and talk shit about the people that went partying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I don't know. And so, and then it snowballed from there. The club ended up getting a television show and um, they were like, anybody can quote unquote audition. It wasn't auditioning the way we think of it with like a script or anything. It was like, you know, stand in front of a camera and can you communicate your thoughts basically. Yeah. Right. And so I went to that because I was a theater major and I was like, I, I'm comfortable in front of a camera. So that's fine. Um, and then it just snowballed. I never expected this to be a job. I, it wasn't a job when I was growing up. So I just always assumed it would be a hobby or just something I was really into. And when I was mm-hmm. a kid, I would play like investigator in my backyard and like, <laughs> but I never, ever thought this would turn into what it's become so it's, it's pretty it's pretty crazy when when you joined uh the the prs at school did you guys actually go out on cases yeah so what was the first case that you did with them so i think we did i'm trying to remember i think we had a couple mock cases yeah we did we had mock cases we had to do as part of our training so they would like set it up in one of like one of the students houses like, cause a couple students lived off campus. So we would have uh, like hands-on training that way. So I think that was like the first investigation and they would kind of, since it was a mock case, they would pretend to be the client and like, we would have to interview them and like, Oh, what did you see? And, um, and then I think, I think we did an investigation of the theater first at school. Of course. Right. I think I'm trying to remember if that was part of because we did an episode on campus. I'm trying to remember if that was part of the episode or not. 
or if we that was part of the club. We were just talking about how all theaters are haunted. Right. They, they all have the woman in white. <laughs> I yes. know. Yeah. I, we can't escape it. It's like, oh, ghost theater. Oh, you did that too? Okay, fine. Yeah, did you yeah. also double major in music? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I mean, for like a semester, I did <laughs> I, I was communications with the football players. And oh, that, that counts. That counts. It does, man. Right? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's fun. But yeah, no, I think I think the first official case then would have been the first episode, um, which was the first episode we filmed for Paranormal State was, I think the episode was called The Dark Man. Uh, we had we had different names for them internally, and I can't remember the name internally, um, mm. but uh, it was about a woman named Helen who her son, unfortunately had just passed away. He was 18. He passed away on mother's day. It was like the day. Yeah. Awful. It was the day after prom and um, somebody had given him something and he, he ended up um, passing away from that. Um, But where the story kind of turns and why she asked us to come and help her was because ever since he was little, he would see what he called the dark man because it was a figure of like a shadow Mm -hmm. and it was on their property. Um, Her son was really bothered by this figure. They've always had experiences. She believed her son was targeted and she was scared that since he passed away that he might be trapped there. Oh no. So she, right. So she asked us to come in and help. And that was, that was the first like big case I did with them. Um, and that was for the show. And, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it's a pretty intense case considering. So growing up with it, like being kind of a normal for you. So like some of that, that level of fear wasn't necessarily there as it would be for others. What was the first case that you investigated that you were like, fuck, I'm terrified? Hmm. Well, you know, I think that's that's a funny thing because I I think I went into the field believing what everybody kind of believes about hauntings, right? It's what we're told in books. It's what we're told in movies and television that a haunting is caused by a ghost and a ghost is somebody who was once living and is now back and they have a mission or they have a message. So I kind of went into the field believing that because why wouldn't you, right? When Mm -hmm. that's all you hear, that's what you kind of assume it is. Um, But as time went on, my views have shifted the complete opposite direction. Um, and I mean, well, I shouldn't say complete. Um, I'm, I always like to tell people, I'm like, I'm probably more of a believer than I've ever been, but I'm also more of a skeptic than I've ever been. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's a weird kind of place to be. But um, and to answer your other part of that about being scared, the funny thing is I, I was usually scared. Um, and I don't I mean, that fear has definitely changed over the years. But I think with PRS, when I was working with them, it was always about the clients. It was never about us, right? you know? So mm-hmm. for me working with them, it was about, I know that these people are scared and I'm not going to do them any favors if I show that right. to them, right? you know? So it was, it was really about educating them and being their advocate at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that helped work through the fear on my end because it, it kind of took it like, this isn't about me, this is about them. 
Um, And then the other work I'd done, it got to a point with the fear where it was like, well, you know, some of these places are really expensive to get into. Some of these places don't allow access to anybody. And sometimes you're, because you have a television show attached to you and you have that budget, some of these places let you in and there's less red tape. So what an amazing opportunity to go in and do this. And I always felt like I want to be doing my job if I didn't just go for it. You know, if I didn't just Mm -hmm. like, you know what, all right, I'm terrified, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, So that was a big thing of it. And then the other side of it was, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm only scared because of what I think it could be. But the thing is, I don't know for sure if that's what I'm actually dealing with. Maybe it's much worse or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just, you know, something that we don't really understand yet. And um, so I thought it's like one of those things, like in a hundred years, what are people going to think about this? Like, maybe they'll be like, that's so funny that they were scared because it's actually this. And I'm like, I'm not going to let them get the best of me. So (laughs) I'm really (laughs) stubborn. So um, I got to that point. So, but being terrified, it's a funny thing because I don't think there's anything wrong with being scared. I think we, you know, we all go through like it ebbs and flows and it depends on the situation. And sometimes I think fear is there for a really good reason. Um, mm-hmm. but I think there's definitely been a lot of times where I've been really terrified to be in a place because you can, it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it, but there's certain times you just know something is wrong. Something is off. It oh, gets yeah. into like every fiber of your body and it just breathes. <laughs> like it is like this living, breathing entity with you. Like it is the weirdest feeling. And um, I've experienced some very odd stuff that I can't explain. And I think when those moments happen, like, how can you not be scared? Right. What? Yeah, just at the unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now I I'm, have to ask what what was one of those things that you experienced that you couldn't explain? Yeah, there's there's quite a few, I think, over the years. I think I've had the most intense experiences overall when I was working on paranormal lockdown. Right. Um, I would say one of my earliest experiences that I, I mean, there, I've gone over this a bunch in my head and I, I don't have an explanation. Nobody's ever come forward to say, Oh, you know what? We figured that out or that was accidentally me or whatever. Um, it was with paranormal state. I think it was season. I think it was still the first season. Um, and we were at the Knickerbocker hotel, which is in Pennsylvania and it's in a town called Lyonsville and it's halfway between Chicago and halfway between New York. So it was a stopping station for a lot of people. And I was upstairs investigating with Alfie. Um, we were on the third floor, which during the operation of the hotel was the place where a lot of immigrants went. And, um, I, I guess they had some servants or, uh, housemaids that stayed there too. Um, and I had a three, an external 360 mic attached to headphones and we're just sitting there. And honestly, it's a really boring night. Like nothing's happening for us. Like apparently everybody else is getting activity, but us. And, um, I, then I hear this woman's voice come through, through the headphones 
And it was really clear. It sounded like how you, you and I, you, you, like the three of us are talking. It was that clear, but I couldn't make out what she was saying. So to me, it sounded like she was speaking a different language or talking backwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it, it repeated. <laughs> yeah, it was very weird. And it repeated the same syllables um, multiple times. So it repeated the same phrase multiple times. Oh, wow. And I, I was saying to Elfie, Elfie, do you hear that? She, nothing. She's like, no, I don't hear anything. Um, so then when we, you know, we downloaded the, the audio because uh, I was recording and it ended up on the audio. Um, it wasn't as loud as I had heard it in real time. Uh-huh. Um, but through our investigation, we found out that the owner's sister who had gone to the hotel a couple of times, she also had the same experience on the third floor. And she described it as a different language. She's like, I can hear her plain as day, but it's like a different language. I can't make it out. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So that was one of the first times I think I was, I was pretty scared because I mean, it's a scary building and it's just, it, it was a really sure, but- weird experience. And, um, you know, to this day, I still don't have an explanation for that. Well, no. So I'm inclined to believe that's an unexplainable one. Mm-hmm. One of the things you said earlier, sorry, Joy, I'm like, my brain is like going, so feel free to jump in. Do it. I know how I can, don't worry, I can speak over my little. Yeah, <laughs> one of the, so one of the things that you said earlier is that, you know, growing up for you, hauntings were always just people who had passed away yeah and all of that stuff what like doing this show joy and i have mm-hmm. really started to learn about and educate ourselves about different kinds of hauntings and different kinds of activities we just um and whether it's a haunting or not i mean yeah, we're mm-hmm. i'm on the same page as you right now i think we're all ending up in this same right. area of like is it someone who existed is it someone who is still alive somewhere else is it like like we have all of these questions all the time now that keep coming up um and we are looking at old stories that we've experienced in different lenses now after the couple of years that we've been talking about things we just had we just had an episode with uh about the cecil hotel Oh, yeah. um, and we were lucky enough to interview this phenomenal woman called Hadley Mears, who mm-hmm. is a historical journalist um, with like a background in L.A. hauntings. She um, she was basically telling us that the building, it's not so much the things haunting the building. The building itself is evil. Mm. The building is evil. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that's something that had never really, like we've talked in the past about certain um, geological compounds, like mm-hmm. holding up yeah. energy and shit like that. From what and the you, fault lines here right. and that kind of thing, like exactly the like there's this there's a swathe of there's this there's a strip of a fault line through Los Feliz, and there's all of these locations around that fault line that fucked up shit's happened like the house fuck i can't remember the name of the house now where they believe the black dahlia murder took the Soudan house that's it the Soudan um, house where um there's the la bianca house yeah there is the uh there's another one 
I don't think I think the murder. Oh, the the murder house. The, the father murder, who the one that they yeah. actually it's just called the murder house. Yeah, and it I mean, and it's all along the same up. line. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I looked it up. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I've looked at stuff like I don't think that's true. <laughs> has the, I'm doing quotation marks. So, it's, it's so like we, I'm we, ruining we, everything. <laughs> Dre, you just pissed all over my cornflakes. Sorry, um, not sorry. <laughs> What so being that that was what you went into this with that mindset of this is what a haunting is, mm-hmm. was there, you know, like with you saying that, that your that your sister grew up like seeing a, a guy walking in the hallways and seeing something that was a person, was there a case when you realized, oh, this isn't actually a person. This is some this is something that's presenting, but it's not a person. Um, I don't know that there was an exact moment. I think it was just realizing that how a haunting is presented in the media. Um, and I mean, in books, movies, television, um, isn't always, it only presents one side of those stories. Right. You know, and I think when you look into, the other side, you find there's a lot of explanations for this stuff. Um, so where I'm at now with it is I absolutely believe that there's things that happen that can't be explained. When, And I'm specifically right now talking about hauntings, right? Because the paranormal is right. an umbrella term and there's yeah. a lot of things that fall under that. Right. But I'm spe- specifically talking about hauntings. Um, I've had clients in the past that were slowly being poisoned by carbon monoxide that was causing them hallucinations. Wow. Right. Clients Mm -hmm. that were suffering from PTSD. Mm -hmm. I've had clients that were, um, had mental health issues that were causing Mm -hmm. hallucinations and delusions. I've had clients who had neurological problems, clients that were sick and they didn't know about it. Um, You know, I think there's a whole a whole thing of of reasons why this stuff can happen naturally. And so does that mean that their experiences aren't real? No, not necessarily. Right. You know, it still means something is happening. It's just, we kind of have the wrong reasons behind it. With that said, um, I do also think there's things happening that we can't fully explain right now with the way science is. Um, Will we ever get there? I have no idea. I hope so. Um, and the next question I usually get, because I, I do lectures on this, and it's funny because when I say this stuff, people look like I just told them that I ran over their their dog. You know what I mean? They're oh, like, no. they're like, they all look like they're about to cry, and I'm just like, well, hold on, <laughs> like let me let, let's walk through this and why and why it's important to talk about, um, because. The next question I usually get, um, and I just had this happen actually. Somebody was like, well then are you saying the afterlife doesn't exist? And I'm not saying that at all, because here's the thing. If we decide, or if we find out in 25 years that everything we've labeled as a haunting is explainable some way, somehow, mm-hmm. whether it's through environmental, neurological, or some other you know, part of science that we don't quite have a grasp on just yet, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is no afterlife. It just means that it's these types of activity aren't it right right you know 
So um, I think there's lots of room for exploration here. I think though we have to be really diligent about um, keeping those skeptical lenses on. Yeah. You know, because I, I would love to see the field advance to a point where it is taken more seriously. And I don't know Mm -hmm. that we're going to get there unless we're really, really honest about, you know, Hey, this equipment that, (laughs) that people think, you know, can detect a ghost. That's not actually how it works. And, um, you know, I say that stuff till I'm blue in the face, just so people understand it because it's really expensive too. That's the other side of it. And um, I think it's important that we understand how the equipment works and why it was built in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I, I think it's just, just being really, um, you know, coming at it from a really logical, skeptical standpoint. And I, I think people get turned off by the word skeptical. I know I used to until I really started to understand um, some of my colleagues that were skeptics. And it's not so much about trying to tear away somebody's experience or saying you're crazy or that didn't happen. It's saying, okay, well, I I believe that that happened, but let's look into all the reasons that that could have happened. Right. And let's also not peg it right now on the afterlife or some sort of, um, you know, religious experience. Yeah. I mean, we understand what all the other possibilities could be. Let's not like, you know, put a stamp on it just yet. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like if I'm skeptical of something, I'm not looking at somebody all of the time. Certainly there are some times that I hear things. I'm like, you're a fucking liar. But (laughs) most of the time I am going into it. It's like, I believe this happened to you hundred percent. I don't think you're lying. I think you're telling me exactly your experience as it happened. I just don't know if it's that stamp that you're talking about. I don't know if it's a ghost. I don't know if it's just like, you had a little extra anxiety and there was like a little extra electromagnetic force in the air. I, I don't know. There's other things that like could have happened that could have made a difference in the situation. Yeah. Um, well, and you also have people's personal belief systems to break down. And yeah. that's also hard because the haunting specifically, since they are usually tied to or I guess how we view them is tied to the afterlife. It's also going to be tied to people's spiritual and religious beliefs or their non-beliefs in that. Mm-hmm. So automatically you have people that will say, I don't care what you tell me. I know what I experienced and I know it's A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have people that are that don't have those beliefs and they say, I don't care what you tell me. I know what I experienced. And that is A, B, and C. So like, especially when I'm working with clients, it's, it's so important to break, like understand where they're coming at, like what's their background, what have their, like, what were their life experiences? What are their current, you know, beliefs on this stuff? Um, Because, you know, an atheist and a Catholic could experience the same exact thing and tell me two wildly different stories. Right. Right. And neither of them would be lying. Yeah, Yeah. They would both be truthful but it would be filtering through their own lens. Yeah. I mean, I always am saying I'm an atheist. I have zero personal evidence of there being a higher power or a God or some kind of heaven, but I know that my grandfather existed and I know that I've had these experiences with him since he passed. So that I believe in because I've tried to ferret out any other explanation that it could be. Um, 
but I, I still don't believe in a God. And everybody thinks it's really weird. They're like, how can you believe in ghosts? And you don't believe. I'm like, they, the two are not the, tied the together. Not Sorry. One and the no. same. Everyone else ha- is completely free. I can't tell someone what they can and can't believe in. That's what, what they want to do. But it's if we are both sitting there and experiencing the exact same thing, exactly mm-hmm. what you said, there's, there's three sides to everything. There's their experience, my experience, and then there's the truth. And it's whether we want to hear that about what's actually happening, but it doesn't invalidate but it's whether the person's we, thing. It's whether we can even measure the truth at this point. Do oh. we know the science to do it? I mean, right. think about the stuff that they're talking about with physics and the multiverse and all of the stuff that people were like laughed out of classrooms or even bringing up in the past. And there are people who are seriously studying these things now. At Columbia. So, and it, like, right. that's actually one of the things I was thinking, because it's like you said about your sister seeing a, a duplicate you in your yeah. room. And, you know, I think that anyone who watches a lot of, you know, ghost movies or things like that would be like, oh, that's probably like a demon, like mirroring mm-hmm. it. But then you also think about, well, there is that, you know, I know that the three of us have talked a lot in the past about like time slips and and glitches and like the possibility mm-hmm. that we're not just the only um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Not reality, but you know what? I, maybe it's reality. plane of existence. Thank you very much. And Welcome. so while it might not have been the you from her life, could it have been Katrina right. from this other you know, but that's also like when my mind starts to go to how do my eyeballs work? How do I know that I'm seeing what I'm seeing right now? And it yeah. starts to like overheat. Yeah. So like all of these in, different things. In that same vein, I mean, you, you think about all the folklore that there is and all the different cultures and how there are very similar stories about doppelgangers or whatever they're called. You know, if you go back into the different cultural and uh, lore and mythos and whatever of different cultures way 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 back they all have very similar things if you break it down to the core of the stories Mm -hmm. and sometimes it is just an anthropological explanation of this is a warning to not go into the woods at night because it's dangerous or is it we have doppelganger histories and stories because maybe there is a multiverse and that's why we're seeing doubles i mean there's all kinds of things that you can bring up whether it's I mean, I hear myself saying it and I'm going, you're, this sounds crazy. Please stop, Joy. Well, it's not. (laughs) I actually just watched a documentary about doppelgangers and they found these people that had randomly bumped into each other, be it by like friends being like, you look a lot like so-and-so, two guys sat next to each other randomly on an airplane and people thought they were identical twins because everything was identical and they did these Mm -hmm. scientific studies on them. And it was insane. And I was like, I'm never going to find that. And I, there's a, a clothing brand that I really have an unhealthy obsession with. And I'm in a Facebook group for it because that, why not just embrace it? And this woman posted a picture of herself in her outfit. And she, I thought it was me. And I was like, the fuck? And so I, I, I commented, I was like, Love the outfit. Looks great. Not too sure. Uh, but I think he, we might be doppelgangers. And like, I have a picture of myself in like the exact same pose, pulling the exact same face. And we look 
like the same person. That's so funny. So it's like, oh. or there's just so many ways DNA can replicate itself. You know, <laughs> there's also just that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, so like, but doppelganger joking aside, I mean, right. we don't we don't know the answers to a lot of these things about other planes of existence and are we seeing copies or is it just something that we want to see or is it a, a malfunction in our brain? I mean, we don't have the answers, but I feel like the idea of exploring things other than just it's a ghost is important at this point. Right. Is there anywhere that you've been to that you won't go back to? Um. No, you know, it's funny. I get that question a lot. I, I think there be places that I, would absolutely be hesitant, but I am way too stubborn. <laughs> and I, I, I honestly, I am, I am too stubborn for my own good. And um, I would not let it get the best of me. And I, I would go. Yeah. So <laughs> out, out of those places then. Yeah. Can you tell us what they were? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, okay. totally. I would say probably there's two that come to mind that I would be really hesitant about going back to. Um, Hinsdale House in upstate New York would be one mm -hmm. um, because I believe there is multiple things going on there. I don't think that's what we would call a classic haunting. Um, that is a very weird place. Uh, it's the best way I can describe it. It's a very weird place. Mm -hmm. um, the other one would be... Um, Pontefract, the um, 30 East Drive slash Black Monk House in England. Can yeah, you, I would be very hesitant about going back there. Tell me about tell me about my people in our home. <laughs> well, they tell were lovely. I am my homeland. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to tell you, I enjoyed my time so much in the UK. Oh, um, they sad. were. What's funny is it, it's such a different view of mm. ghosts and ghost stories in the UK. Um, so for example, it's, it's the funniest thing. I had a day off when we were living over there. Um, and I went, to, we were like right outside of Windsor. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a day off in Windsor and have tea and you know, whatever. And of course it's my day off. So I go looking for haunted shit, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, so it's funny. I just found a bunch of strangers and like, hi, can you tell me where like the haunted place is? And like all these people, they would like take so much time out of their day. And they're like, oh, my God, let me tell you all of my stories. And they would just like tell like tell me all this stuff. They had no idea who I was. Right. They Like, right. So everyone kept pointing me to this one building. So it was a business. So I'm like, OK, I'll go. I'll just go and ask them. So and it was um, it was an Italian restaurant. And, um, so they were all from Italy and, um, I go up, I'm like, um, hi, I heard this place is haunted. And the woman, she's so funny. She's like, oh my God, let me tell you. And she just like drops like 30 year history on me about like all the hauntings they've had. And like, they give me a tour of their entire, they have no idea who they never even asked my name. They were just like, oh yeah, let us take you into the basement, which retrospectively wait. I should like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> But woman they, traveling they, alone. Yeah. <laughs> they took me into their basement and they took me into their, their attic and they're well, like, we have together. delicious meat pies. Let me <laughs> show you in the basement. Yeah. 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 We have a trap door. Let's show you how it works. <laughs> yeah. Do you need a haircut? Right. Yeah. And so like 
they gave me a whole tour and told me all these stories and sent me on my way and like never once asked who I was or why I was asking like, but we bonded because I'm Italian too. So I'm like, hey, my family's from like the Abruzzo region. And they're like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah, they were very exactly. happy with me. Yeah. So they're like, ah, we're kin. Um, but it's just such a difference. Like here in the US, you don't always find that. Mm-mm. Like people are very hesitant to talk about it in general. Um, and my friend who is British, he brought up a good point and he was just like, well, it's, it's part of our history, right? you know? So mm-hmm. it's like you go to a castle as a kid for like a field trip and there's always a ghost story tied to it yeah. or you yeah. like, you know, everything's so old. So it's always, you always hear about it. So it's not like such a taboo thing. And I thought that was such a, such a great point to look at it culturally, how we all kind of grow up with this stuff. Yeah. We're we- like such a young country. But I think there's got to be some sort of purposeful disconnect um, where Americans are just in a different headspace than a lot of the rest of the world. Right. Because we all talk about ghost stories when we're quiet in like a corner of a bar, like we have sleepovers as kids and we all talk about it. And it's not like it doesn't exist. It's like, we're not supposed to talk about it for some reason that the adults have decided, Right. (laughs) you know, like, so I feel like maybe, I don't know. It's, I feel like there are so many things that are specifically American, like our insane work ethic, the similarities of like, you go, you're saying you go and like, you can just talk to people in Europe about ghosts. You can also go to Europe and they're like, yes, we all stop doing work at a certain time, we all go sit down and have lunch and take a break. Like <laughs> Americans yeah. are just like, you work through that shit and you eat maybe when you're done with work. Right. Yeah. Um, we, we actually so, had a hard time with that over there. Cause you know, when you're, when you're filming a t- television show, people can only work so many hours a day before they right. have to stop down for their break. Mm-hmm. And so usually that break would come when like every single restaurant in the UK shut down and it was always like this, like, like, Hey, it's three 30 and it's supposed to be our lunch. And our coordinator would be like, sorry, I like every, we can't, we literally cannot do anything about that. You know, like there, there are no options until five o'clock. And I remember it always being a daily struggle, but I always thought it was cool. I'm like, they're on, they're on to it. Yeah. Like that's nice. Yeah. When I went to do guest spots in Europe for things, they, they, I remember they took us out for lunch the first day that we were working. I was like, oh, this is really nice. You guys like stopped and took us out for lunch. They're like, we do this every day. We always take a break for lunch. And I was like, oh, I usually just drink 35 coffees and a munchkin (laughs) and work for 13 and a half hours. (laughs) I didn't know that people did this in the tattoo industry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like we would go on school trips to Hever Castle. That's where I grew up, right by Hever Castle. And that was part of the syllabus. The ghosts that walk the hallways of Heaver huh. Castle. That was part of our education because it, like you said, it's part of our history. Like we were talking about this on another episode. I moved to the Carolinas when we moved here from the UK. There's something about that spot there. There's a sweet spot south and north and south Carolina and and Georgia, where there's a comfort in those more historical cities talking about hauntings and talking about that history and Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's just because the they're more open to it 
or because it's actually part of their story, but it's very similar just in that small pocket of region to the UK because, you know, it, it exactly what you're saying. It's, it's part of our history and, and who we are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is, that's something that I, I miss about back home, especially, you know, with my fascination with it was just being able to talk about it mm-hmm. freely. Whereas over here, there's that, there's that look that you get. Yeah. Oh, the look. Yeah. I usually lie about what I do. You do? What do you tell yeah. people that you do? Um, well, before I used to just say I was a counselor because I, I volunteered for 10 years as a crisis counselor. Oh my God. So, um, oh, wow. I was just like, I'm a counselor. Yeah. <laughs> I just leave it at that. Cause like, nobody wants to hear those stories and I can't talk about those stories right, anyway, right. because you know, it's, it's illegal. So, um, I just, I'm like, yeah, sorry, I can't talk about it. Um, and then, I mean, now I just say I work in film and television if I don't know somebody really well, right? you know, yeah. because that's also true. So um, I, I kind of leave it at that. But a lot of times that will go to, oh, what kind? Yeah. And then I'm like, uh, oh, you know, like horror, paranormal. And like, I leave it at that. And then they're like, oh, um, so I don't know. it's a weird thing. But yeah, I usually <laughs> lie. If I don't know somebody, I lie about it. I feel like anybody who was into it would know who you were if they ran into you. So (laughs) it would be safe if they're like, oh, I recognize you. (laughs) Oh, I know what you do. I can imagine people telling you, I don't believe in ghosts and I don't whatever. All the time. But I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's fine and I don't mind it. Um, Like, uh, for example, I was, uh, I'll never forget this. And it's so funny because I only really remember this one sliver of the conversation because it left such an impact on me. Um, but I was at, uh, I was a guest at Con- uh, Dragon Con a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. And when you, when you come into the airport for Dragon Con, they have it set up. So like if other speakers are arriving at the same time you are, you share a car with them. Okay. And um, I was with an older gentleman who was a sci-fi writer and his wife. I could not tell you the name of the guy. Um, I, I didn't really talk to him. I, I spoke to his wife because we were both in the back seat. And it was this moment of she was like, and what do you do? You know, she's this older woman who's like very, very sweet, like Grandma Grandmally. And um, I was like, ah, oh, do I tell her? Right. And then I'm like, no, we're at Dragon Con. Like, right. Right. You can't come to Dragon Con and be like judgmental about this stuff. So I'm like, I hunt ghosts for a living. (laughs) And she was just like, ow. (laughs) And I was just like, all right. And I said to her, I'm like, oh, you don't believe in this stuff? And she's like, no, I do not. And I said to her, I was like, well, do you think we have everything figured out? And she took this moment, like it was the first time she had ever considered that question. And she said, well, no, I don't. And I was like, cool. I'm like, that's actually where my job comes in. Right. And we had this awesome conversation about it. And I oh, can't remember <laughs> at all what that conversation entailed, but I just remembered the exchange up to that point and how it was like this immediate, like visceral reaction to what I told her I do for a living. And when I just posed the question of, well, I'm not trying to shove it down anybody's throat. What I'm saying is, you know, there's another side to this that's not right. being considered. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's where it opened up. And that's where we kind of, we, that's where we had a commonality. Yeah. Is that, you know, she also believed, okay, yeah, I don't think we have all the answers. So it was, it was really interesting. And I was, I'm very grateful for that conversation. It was, it was a cool moment. It's nice when you have that time where you're just like, oh, this is going to be terrible. And then all of a sudden it turns like hundred years. Yeah. And it turns really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely had it go the other way. So it was, it was nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Aside from, I mean, I know we're always after like the, like, what's the scariest thing that's ever happened? What's the most comfortable situation you've ever been in on a, an investigation? Because I, this is a selfish question because I'm, I feel like I'm always afraid. I know, right? (laughs) I feel like I'm always afraid of the idea of seeing something or even though I've had like all of these bizarre experiences and, and stuff that's happened to me but they mostly occur in my residence or someplace that Mm -hmm. I frequent. Um, And I feel like the things, you know, if it wasn't, if we weren't basically on lockdown for almost a year, Emily and I would have been out doing things, but we haven't been able to. So is it easier to go out and investigate someplace that's not your own bedroom (laughs) and what has been the most comfortable a ghost or other entity has made you. Yeah. So I never investigate my own home. That just not happen. Um, I, that's probably a good idea. Don't bring it home. Yeah. So always outside the home. Um, and I'm trying to think the most comfortable I've ever been. Cause I've been in some pretty shisty places like, like bed bugs and um, oh god no yeah oh yeah no and yeah <laughs> like having full body rashes and all that oh, stuff god. yeah I've, I've been in the trenches in this field yeah. <laughs> god but i'm so sorry it's all good it's all good um i'm trying to think uh, gosh i would say there's gotta have been a I know there's been a couple like really plush places I've been and I would, I would vote for, I would vote for whatever place had a bed and heat and running water. (laughs) You mean when you're not like sleeping on a cot and like an abandoned like cell block? Yeah. 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 (laughs) But like, Um, I mean, I mean more. Like on a spiritual sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm terrified of the situation. And like, when have you been like, Oh, like I could sit here and communicate with this spirit for hours and be totally comfortable. You know, what's weird about that? There was for portals to hell when I, Jack and I went to Mansfield uh, reformatory in Ohio Mm -hmm. and there's a room up there. It's all the way on the top. It's like an old attic room that they claim they never used to keep prisoners, but we, we know that they did because there's drawings and markings. And oh, at, at one point, I think TB came through the prison. So they used to, I mean, they had to, they had to separate. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's this huge building it, or this huge room, but it's all dark. There's bats in there. It's, it, it, it's consuming. Like when you're in there, it consumes you. And I volunteered. I'm like, you know what? Um, let me be alone in here. And it was a weird thing because normally prisons make me feel very uncomfortable. I, mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that's more of a visceral thing for me where 
you know, um, you just kind of feel like you're being stared at and just, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're a piece of meat. Um, but I, I mean, it was scary, but there was this weird comfort feeling that, that came with it. And I don't know, I don't know why that was. I, but I, I was like, I'll do this and it's fine. You know, Mm -hmm. I can do this. And, um, I probably would have stayed there all night if they had let me. Really? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's very strange because <laughs> normally a prison, like, honestly, a prison is probably my least favorite place to investigate um, just just because of the visceral feelings I get from it. Um, and it's also very sad stories. Like, you know, right. we, we know yeah. not everybody is treated fairly in a prison system. And no one's ever um, happy to be there. I mean, the people that work there, the people like no one's ever. <laughs> it, it's just a lot of it's a lot of sad stories. And especially when you go. Um, like what, you know, for example, investigating in England and you see the, like the blatant classism that was happening in the prison system. It's, it's, I take a lot of that home with me emotionally. Like, it's just really, really hard to realize how, Mm -hmm. um, how certain, how certain things in this world work. And, um, but I, I don't know. Yeah. It was a weird thing. And I also felt that at Eastern state penitentiary where again, I'm normally, really kind of like, Oh, I don't like being in this kind of space, but I felt more sad at Eastern state penitentiary than Mm -hmm. I think any prison I've ever been to. It was a very different feeling. So. Do you, um, I feel like there might be some stigma attached to the word empath in the last 10 years or so, because it got really like Instagram popular, like emotional emotional yeah like i feel like it's sort of gotten a little away from its intended meaning um but do you consider yourself someone um who is an empath or someone who feels things a little bit deeper than the average person do you think that helps and hinders you in investigations yeah yeah i would say so i i think i am i um just an example i when we, when I was 14, my class took a trip to Ellis Island. We did a whole day in New York. Oh, wow. oh, and, yeah. you know, I know I've always been really, really interested in history. Um, it's a passion of mine and like genealogy. I, by the time it was 10, I was like, what were my great grandparents? Like, what were their names? And I knew all their names and um, I knew their stories for the most part. And so I knew I had, you know, all, like all of my great grandparents had come through Ellis Island at some point. And my grandfather came over when, um, my grandfather came over in 1924, 1925. Mm-hmm. So he was the last one to immigrate. Um, and I remember, you know, I mean, you're 14 and you're with your class and like, you, you know, everybody kind of wants to just like get a piercing and like make out <laughs> with somebody. And like, I was sitting on the boat <laughs> on Ellis Island. <laughs> um, you know, but I was sitting on the boat and we were going to, to Ellis Island and I was just crying. Aww. And I remember my friend asking me, like, why are you crying? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you crying? <laughs> and I was just like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But I could just like, I could just feel that so deeply, that connection of yeah. like hope and a new world and starting over. And for example, my one great grandfather um, came to America to escape the priesthood. You know, because he didn't want to be a priest. He he wanted 
he wanted a different life. And, um, you know, so it's like things like that. It's, it's like, I felt that on such a deep level. And I, I feel like I always kind of feel that. And, you know, also being a musician and being an actor, it's, it comes with the territory. It's just, sure. you feel so deeply sometimes. So, yeah. and I feel like that sounds like very like, uh, I feel so deeply, but yeah, um, <laughs> only if you say it with that accent. <laughs> it's not so. Like I get it. Like I, I also studied theater and it's yeah. when you're taking on a role of some, some, someone else, you have yeah. to put yourself in that character's shoes, which means opening yourself up emotionally so that you're not just acting the feelings, you're feeling them. Because in order to really, you know, portray something, you have to embody it. And I totally get that. And I think if you've got a background in that, then I think for, for, I don't know, I I tend to wonder if that's what makes people good at that stuff. It's because they're more open to absorbing that. It's connecting, I think, what it is. It's, you know, it's just having a... um, I kind of look at it like the same way I would, I would say a psychic is a psychic. Like I kind of think everybody has it. I kind of think everybody has the ability to be an empath. Um, But it's just, you know, some people are born with perfect eyesight. Other people aren't. Some people are born with better hearing and other people aren't. I think some people are just born with a deeper level of empathy and Mm -hmm. being able to feel that kind of stuff than, than other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I would, I would say I, I kind of just have like a natural and like empathness to me. Um, And has it hurt me or helped me um, on investigations? I don't know. I don't know that it's ever hurt. I I think it's, it's given me really deep respect for, for the field. And Mm -hmm. um, especially because, you know, what I don't like, and I, I, I always, always voice this, you know, like we're, um, asylums that are always portrayed as the biggest, baddest, scariest place. And I'm like, can we, can we please, like, I get it. Like there's a fear to that because Mm -hmm. look at the lives, look look at how we treated people. Right. Like that is terrifying. Be scared of that. Yeah, exactly. Be scared of that. We as humans have the capacity to do that, Right. you know, versus what might be left there. Um, and well, I mean, it's we, gotta just be sadness, like despair, yeah. not, not so much. I don't know. It, it, it's always very sad when I look at the, a lot of the old asylum ones now that I, especially now that I've become a parent. Yeah. I, I can't watch a lot of them. It's, it's tough. And I, I, you know, for me, it's more about, um, well, going, I'll, I'll finish this one thought. I, I, <clears throat> With the asylum part, I, I'm always trying to remind people they didn't start out as bad places. They didn't, mm-hmm. there, was, there were not bad intentions starting them. It was all about like, hey, we realize we have populations of people that need extra care. How do mm-hmm. we do that in a respectful, dignified manner? And it just, it got, there was not funding that they needed. There was not staff that they needed. Um, there were so many people. And we do know that there are stories of people where it was very, very easy to put somebody in a place like that, Uh you know? Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of people that ended up there that shouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so a lot of sad stories, but I, I I think where my empathy has helped is just realizing that um, there's a respect that needs to go into places that we investigate and 
we can't forget that it's not, it's not all these. Yeah, yeah. There's an aspect to hauntings that are scary for sure. I have been scared by experiences. And I think the idea of not really knowing what this stuff is can be scary. And then you also have the, the storytelling aspect and that mm-hmm. can be scary. And I don't think there's necessarily anything, you know, nefarious about that, but I do think it's, you know, we have to understand there's the other side of it where these are real people who once lived. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can't, we shouldn't really be disrespecting that. We have to, you know, show, show, um, well, respect. <laughs> we have right. to show respect to them. Um, so I, things like that are, are tough for me, especially, I think the hardest one for me ever was, uh, and I try to block it out of my head a lot because it's hard. Um, we did a case in uh, 2016, I think, um, in New Orleans, um, where it was a murder suicide and it was fresh. It was, we were there around, you know, just 10 years after it happened and the, the people were young. Um, so they looked and dressed like people I am friends with. And, you know, it wasn't, I think there's a thing where you go into a house and they're like 200 years ago, this happened, you're kind of far removed. So it doesn't seem as real um, Mm -hmm. where this was very, very real. And the only thing I could, that got me through it was knowing that we weren't, I didn't want to go there and exploit what happened. I felt you know, that was really important not to do, I, you know, because also obviously you're dealing with um, the person who committed the crimes was believed to have a lot of mental health issues at the time. And um, I, there were people, (sighs) how the story is told by some people, it is talked about like he was cursed or he was taken over by a spirit. And I'm just like, well, hold on. <laughs> like, let's not, let, let's not start blaming, you know, very serious issues on, you know, uh, ghosts, uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, like uh-huh. it goes back to the Salem witch trials where I was going to say that sounds like epilepsy. a very old ideology. Right. People right. And were accused of witchcraft and stuff. Right. But it's also super, it's very human to do that. I mean, we know, mm-hmm. and Joy, I know you probably know this since your background is anthropology, when we go back and look at other cultures, you know, humans are really, really good when we don't understand something, we blame it on the supernatural. Mm -hmm. So I also like, although I think it's like, okay, let's, let's not do that. It's also a very natural thing that humans do. Mm -hmm. So again, I don't necessarily know that there's anything nefarious in doing that. I just think it's about, okay, well, like, here's where the education comes in from our part as investigators, like, let's not, you know, perpetuate that. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's like a nice knee jerk, like sort of security blanket measure that our brains do to be like, it, it wasn't him. It was something else that did it. It wasn't him because I couldn't possibly believe that he would do that of his right, own right. volition. Right. And then you kind of need to like sit with it for a while and then get to, okay, well, maybe maybe they were depressed or maybe they had some other sort of unchecked mental illness, or maybe they had just started some new medication that screwed something. Like there's so many, like we were saying earlier, there's so many different things that it could be contributing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, historically that is a very human thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for, for me with, with like that case in particular, the person who was renting out the building was having 
experiences and they wanted it investigated. So then I go back to, okay, well, that's somebody who's here now that needs help and they need an advocate and they need, you know, so then it's like that, that's the only way I can reconcile some of these stories is that, all right, somebody who's alive now is having experiences that they don't quite understand and they need, they need somebody, they need extra hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I can't remember how, how did I get on that kick? What were, <laughs> what were Who we cares? talking about? <laughs> you asked the question, Emily, and I can't remember what it was. It's okay. And I don't know if I, I answered it. I can't remember because on, I, I, as you know, I have a slight head injury. I can't remember most things, unfortunately, <laughs> at this moment. But yeah. And we're laughing things, at it. I know, listen, <laughs> you got to find humor in, in this. Uh, <laughs> what else are you going to do? One of the yeah. things I can't stop thinking about is the fact that you have been a crisis counselor and you have a background in that. And so, whereas a lot of people that you tend to see getting into paranormal investigation and this stuff, they go into it with, like you were saying that it's the biggest, baddest, fucked up something. And they're like, come at me, you pussy ghost. You have this background in working with people with trauma in a crisis situation. And that is essentially what you're bringing into this. And, you know, going off of what you're saying about this last case you were just talking about in New Orleans, it's, it's not just the people who have, who have died. It's not just the people who are experiencing things. It's also, especially the more recent ones, it's the people that they've left behind. Mm-hmm. And there's honoring that memory. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I, it, I'm sure that there are some hauntings where, you know, I don't obviously don't want to presume this, but I, I'm sure there are hauntings out there that people are like, oh, this person was fucked up and they did this fucked up shit and they were awful and a monster. But then you mm-hmm. actually look into it and they weren't. They were just a person and something happened and it wasn't them being this evil taken over by an evil entity something it was just a human person having a human experience and they've been demonized as the story is told and told and told over generations they're then made into some kind of a monster when in actual fact they're not and that's part of what you're uncovering is it's not just how is this happening you know we're going to sage the place and they're going to go away. It's also, well, no, that's uncovered the truth of what's happening and what's behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot to that. And it's, um, but I think it goes back to, I, I realized that a really early start in this field, how important it was to know that other side. And um, actually it got me into going into training to be a counselor, like a volunteer crisis counselor. Um, one of my, if, so if I didn't go into the arts, right. And there were lots of things I wanted to do in the arts, if I didn't go into the arts, my three backup careers was I was going to go into law, be a lawyer or a detective. I was going to be a teacher or I was going to be a psychologist. And I started school as a psych major and quickly realized going back to that empathy, I could not handle it. It was, I took all of that home. I -hmm. took it home. I had a very hard time not absorbing all of it. <laughs> like yeah. I like helping people and I loved the research behind it. I thought that was all cool, but 
um, it was too much for me. And so um, in 2007, 2008, what I started noticing because I was the case manager for PRS. So every single person that was on those, those episodes, I, I talked to, I interviewed, I pre-interviewed them oh, wow. multiple times. Oof. And I became their go-to. And mm-hmm. what I realized was so many people in those interviews would tell me I'm experiencing anxiety. I have depression. I'm suicidal. I'm homicidal. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. And I mean, gosh, I was like, what early twenties? I had no. I was idea. gonna say you're yeah. young then. I'm yeah. like, uh, I have no That's idea what to say to you right now. Um, <sighs> at the same time, I was dating somebody that was having um, men- uh, severe mental illness, and I had never experienced mental illness in that way, um, mm-hmm. particularly the type that he was going through. And um, it made me realize I'm like, I need to know how to do this. Like, you know, it just, it just became like this, like, I need to do this. And luckily where I was living at the time, they had a a crisis center where, I mean, it was like insane training and it was like the best training I think I've ever had and um, very rigorous. And uh, it it really helped me, I I mean, invaluable skills and really helped me, I think with clients and just, Mm -hmm. you know, um, knowing that there's, there's that side you have to protect too, you know? If that makes sense. Right. No, it no, makes total always, sense. You take it on. It's not healthy yeah. for you, especially, you know, if you're encountering this being the case manager, that's so many people who are coming to you for help because they yeah. don't know where else to go. You're, it's like, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my last hope. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. And we, we always had a, we always had psychologists that we worked with, therapists and psychologists that we worked with in PRS, which is great, but they weren't, they weren't fielding those calls. So it's like, I was the first line of defense. So um, it became a thing of like, I need to know how to assess these situations. So if there is an issue, like if somebody does really, really need professional help, immediate, urgent help, we like, I know what to look for. I know how to handle that and get them to where they need to be. Like as far as, okay, let's get you to talk to this person or let's get you to a therapist or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Good for you for having the like presence of mind to just say, I need help with this. Yeah. And like, I need to know how to do this the right way. Yeah. It it became really, I think noticing that in, in the work I was doing and then having the person I was dating be, I mean, that was, you know, the person you're with at the time. So that was very in my face and it just became like, I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. This is something I really need to to, to learn how to do. So, um, so yeah, no, I think, I think to to circle all of that back around, I think empathy is such a great tool actually in this field Mm -hmm. because you are dealing with really heavy stories all the time. I mean, God, every day I go to work, it's that person was murdered. That person committed suicide. That person, like, it was like, ah, it's, it's heavy, heavy stuff. And I think, um, you know, with that, I, it, it just gives you kind of this perspective, I think, of, of the world. And um, not that it's worse, but it just kind of gives you, it makes you understand that not everybody's life is so great. And, you know, bad yeah. things do happen. And sometimes that's not anybody's fault. Sometimes bad things just happen. And, yeah. um, you know, so, yeah. 
We very uh, lovingly refer to what we do on the podcast as ghost therapy a lot of the yeah. time. And yeah. it's like for the ghosts and for the people that are being haunted because we all seem to need help no matter if we're alive or dead. Yeah. Um, and we just don't know. It's hard. I mean, even stories that I've told Emily about stuff that's happened to me that's over 20 years old. And she's been like, oh, well, that's clearly X, Y, and Z happening. And it's, I'm too close to it to be able to do that for myself. So we all, we all need a little perspective, a little mm -hmm. different eyes on the problem a lot of the time. <laughs> and, and to remember that we're all human and we're all taking all of our shit baggage into every investigation, every story, all of it. Right. Yeah. So speaking of baggage, other than bringing home <laughs> scabies or bed bugs <laughs> in some situations. Yeah. How something I've always wondered is how do you protect yourselves? Because with me working in unscripted stuff for a long time as well, I have come across people before who have worked on shows in your genre. And, you know, you're always like, what was it like? Da, 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 da. And I did have one or two of them say to me, something came home with me. I didn't mm. believe in this stuff and something came home with me and it really, it really scared me. Yeah. And so like, I can't imagine like the stage five Klinger barnacle type situations <laughs> that, that you get. Like, yeah. how, how do you not actually bring your work home with you? Um, so it's funny. Um, I don't really do anything for protection as far as like rituals or anything like that. I mean, sometimes I do, mm -hmm. but I, I am a believer that I think any rituals or any good luck charms or anything like that or prayers, I really think it's about the power of you. Like, right. It's very, it's very star Wars. The power is within you. You have the force. No, it's I'm <laughs> just so on board with all of this. I'm always like you imbue it with whatever you give it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's very much about the power you, you give it. So if you believe in prayers work for you, then do prayers. Mm -hmm. If you believe in sage, then do sage. If you believe in crystals, bring crystals with you. Um, for me personally, it's really been about before I go into an investigation. Um, where am I at emotionally and in my life? Am I in a negative space? Do I have negative people around me? Mm -hmm. You know, what can I do to filter that out? Um, because I don't, I, I don't think you should be going into cases if you're in a bad way, because you're just not going to be, mm -hmm. you're not going to be a benefit to anybody, especially, especially if you're working with clients. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's one thing to go into a big location with, on a group ghost hunt, you know, it's another thing. If like you're, if you're responsible for trying to help somebody through this process. Um, yeah. So There's I only always so much you can compartmentalize. I totally. Yeah, totally. So it's for me, it's, it's really about making sure um, I'm in a good place before I go out. Right. Mm -hmm. Have you ever brought anything home with you? Yeah, totally. Um, or at least I, I should say, I believe I did. Okay. Um, when we were working um, in PRS, there was a case that we had to go back to twice. And um, we would label this case demonic. Um, is I this think the, the one with the number? In it, it is. It is. Thank you for listening to part one of our two part interview with Katrina Weidman. 
I know, we stopped it right when it was getting really juicy, right? If you'd like to maybe brush up on some of your PRS homework before our next installment of our interview, go and watch the episode that Katrina's talking about from season two of Paranormal State. The episode title, I Am Six. Until next time, if you have stories that you would love to share with us, please send us an email to theresidualspodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at theresidualspod or Check us out on Instagram and slip into our DMs at the underscore residuals underscore podcast. Until next time, don't be afraid of the dark. But joy will. I mean, come on. They took me into their basement and they took me into their, their attic and they're like, we have delicious meat pies. Let me show you in the basement.